When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the 2012 movie Lincoln, which is not quite beginning close to its 10-year anniversary. This is, of course, directed by the great Steven Spielberg. The screenplay was written by Tony Kushner, uh, and it was based on Doris Kearns Godwin, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, uh, her book, Team of Rivals, that's based on uh, Lincoln's rise to power as president, uh, the Republican rivals that he defeated in the uh, election of 1860, and him incorporating them into his cabinet and, and taking these diverse, uh, fractious lot of men and, and welding them into an effective cabinet. Um, and it goes right up into his assassination. This movie, um, well, I guess uh, I, it, it stars, because I'm I just raring to talk about this movie. It stars Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jim and I are slowly collecting all of his movies into, into our bald move podcast pantheon. Uh, this is another one. Uh, he plays president Abraham Lincoln also stars Sally field. Uh, you'll know her from, uh, if, if, if you're an old time bald, bald mover, her work in Gidget and Sybil, she's in smoking the bandit. She's also younger people recognize her as Forrest Gump's mom and Mrs. Doubtfire, the mom on Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, also features David Strathern. We've seen him most recently as uh, the dynamic Clace Ashford, the ghost knife from The Expanse. Tommy Lee Jones. We know Tommy Lee Jones and his craggy face. Of course. Putting in a crag, a hall of crag performance in this. Dude. Uh, look at this cast, man. I'm not going to tell because there's just too many. There's too many to tell you where they're from. Uh, Lee Pace, Gloria Rubin, Coleman Domingo, David Oyello. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Adam Driver, Jerry Harry, Jared Harris, Michael Stahlberg, Walton Goggins, James Spader, Tim Blake Nelson, Jackie Earl Haley, Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, just on and on. Like these, these are the ones that like you'll probably recognize from projects that have that have come into the prominence in the last few years. It is in, insane how deep this cast is. Like, they were getting, you know, uh, Adam Driver. The likes of Adam Driver for, like, walk-on two-line roles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think this this film in Hollywood, you know, Steven Spielberg, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, it must have been the easiest thing in the world to try to cast this movie. It's about Lincoln. You know, it's about the end of the Civil War. It's about stuff that Americans are intensely interested in, things that impact uh, our, our daily life. Uh, on down today, Jim. What did you have you ever seen this movie before? And what did you think of it? No, I haven't. Um, it's it was a little bit of an intimidating movie because I don't know much about Civil War era America. Uh, I've not done a bunch of research about that. And the other intimidating part, the intimidating half of that, is that many, many, many people have, and so there's a lot of knowledge and information about it out there. Um, and that was my biggest thing. Like when I watched this movie, I'm like okay, I'm going to go read a little bit about it. And I started to do that, and then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm, 
I, I'm literally going to have to go ahead and research 50 years of American history here from the Civil War, the election of Lincoln, the stuff that actually goes on in this movie, all the way through Reconstruction, if I'm going to get like a clear picture of this. I just like, it, it's it's a futile effort. It's There's too much out there. Um, so I didn't do a ton of research for this movie, but I found myself surprised with how like complex how, how easily they told this complex moral and political story and and really brought the viewer along for the ride um because like not knowing a ton about it i it kind of expected to be a little bit confused going into this um and when it's mm-hmm. a two and a half hour movie and it's got this reputation about like y- you know this is a big film um there's a lot going on in it uh the the stars are you know high power it's steven spielberg um I was just impressed with how well the tale was told and it didn't feel like they relied on a lot of devices like plot devices to keep you in the loop. It was kind of just the one main plot device is the vote count. And then everything Mm -hmm. else is just kind of like, okay, well I, I know that there are these people over here. They're on this side of the issue and they're trying to influence them. Um, And it, it kept me engaged and it kept me informed the entire way through. And I was pretty impressed by it. Um, I did get to do a lot of research in this film because I didn't intend to do that. Like, you know, um, uh, I don't usually intend to like reserve four or five hours to like think and, and, and research, uh, a movie. Um, the, it, it, I, but I ended up watching early cause I had some time last night while I was waiting for my wife to get done with a couple things. Um, and that gave me all of this morning to kind of think about it. Uh, and I was supposed to do other things, but I got I got absorbed in this project because I I came from this I, I saw this when it came out in the theater. Um, oh, you know, okay. I was a big fan of like movies. I think we even talked. If there's probably an old bald move podcast, probably a blue yonder or something where I I you know I, I might reference uh, seeing it because um, that time I already knew is like you know Steven Spielberg, one of the best directors. Dana Day Lewis, one of the I've, I've heard he's one of the best. Uh, actors of all time at that point i think i'd only seen him in last of mohicans you know as a teenager oh boy yeah so i go into this and i think wow this is a this is a pretty good movie made me feel good to be american etc cetera, etc cetera. and i kind of forgotten about it and then when i was watching it today you know i'm a lot more cynical than i was 10 years ago and i'm like well this is probably going to be a bunch of bullshit uh you know and i was sat out for my research i was planning to confirm that like you know the basics might be right and some of the political machinations but like lincoln's motivations and some of the personality portrayals and some of the the stories uh are going to be largely fabricated larger in life kind of stuff and to my surprise i found that like most historians think that this is a pretty historically correct, accurate depiction of these intense five or six weeks where Lincoln was trying to simultaneously run this race of ending the Civil War, but also guaranteeing the the freedom, uh, the, resolving the, the the question of slavery in America uh, eternally. Uh, yeah. That it's, it's really, the, and in fact, the um, the the only flaws tend to be from that single focus of this last stage, like it. It it you, you would be forgiven to think that like Lincoln single handedly single mindedly led America to the fact that you know we should free the slaves and were it not for him this wouldn't that that seems ahistorical that like the collapse of slavery uh, the 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 emancipa- emancipation of all these slave people was a certainty like whether it was going to happen in five ten fifty years. Um, 
it, it was it was already a, a foregone conclusion by that moment because of economic, because of mm-hmm. social factors. Um, but other than that, and I think there's also some follow-on flaws where maybe Spielberg realized, particularly when, I, when I'm talking about the fact that, like, uh, y- you know, well, I'll, I'll just get, to, I'll, we'll talk about that later. I was just blown away, but like the, the, this is kind of like seen as a really accurate depiction of Lincoln, his storytelling, his weird charisma. I mean, what mm-hmm. a weird president! His name's weird. Like, I, I, if if he wasn't Abraham Lincoln, I'd probably call him Lincoln, right? You know, he's got a weird last <laughs> name. He's a funny looking dude, uh, you know. But he's also got this lightning rod of U.S. history, where this like pivotal event kind of flew through him, and he got assassinated immediately after. He's like. One of the closest things we have in American politics to, like, a saint, you know? Okay. He, he and, wasn't particularly well-educated either, right? Like no, he, he had less than a year learning. of formal education. He did most of his learning by – guys. I guess he's just a voracious reader. You know, he loved yeah. reading uh, Shakespeare, mathematics. There's this, you know, classic story of him teaching himself mathematics by a, a chunk – using a chunk of coal on the back of a shovel, working – you know, think uh, uh, working print mathematical principles out. He's just such a unique individual, even amongst his time. Uh, and and like the fact that the, this movie kind of pulled back the curtain and showed the relationship between him and his wife Mary, who he called Molly. Um, that that's pretty histori- historical. His relationship with his family and his sons, the impact of grief on their marriage, the fact that lost two children, and that. By all accounts, a civil war just ground Lincoln down. Like the moral weight of all the deaths on both sides. The fact that he lived in that telegraph room, hardly ever slept. Um, you can see pictures of him in 1860 versus right before his death in 1865. And like we always joke about, like look at George W. Bush before he went mm-hmm. to office. After look at Barack Obama. The, the fucking office ages you in dog years. But like Lincoln went in as one of our youngest presidents. He was in his early 50s. At the end of the war, the dude looked like he was like, how old do you think Lincoln is? If no, if you didn't know right now, like in his seventies, right? No, the dude died in his yeah. mid fifties. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think this is a really fascinating movie. It's not perfect. There, it, there, there. It is corny in a couple places, um, but uh, hmm. ultimately, I think it's great, and I think it's really, it's a, it's a really effective political thriller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. T- totally. Yeah. This is like a House of Cards esque. Uh type of movie right like there there's a lot going on behind the scenes and that's what i mean when i say like it's a pretty complex movie for the for for i guess the runtime and then the events like i was surprised at how well i was able to follow it given that i a i didn't know any of the people involved um Mm -hmm. off the bat and they don't do a great job of giving you like names and and status of everybody but you know they're generally congressmen uh people mm-hmm. of influence and and the movie kind of does enough to get you by but yeah I, yeah I thought it was great yeah i liked it how they showed that even within you know the democrat and republicans there was factions recognizably yeah. like modern radical, politics you had conservative, conservative moderate radical we call progressive today right <laughs> although i think we should bring back radical i want to see <laughs> sure. i want to see some radical democrats i want to what does a radical republican look like um yeah. fuck this progressive shit uh yeah, no, I, 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 it, it reminds me a lot of like those kind of crisis f- films that are inside the White House, like Thirteen Days, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, where you got a real crisis in American politics and um, these these rare occasions where enough people have big enough grips on the big enough levers of power that they can like force things to be done. Um, 
that might otherwise take decades to to do if you mm-hmm. if you waited for the appropriate channels. And that's another thing. I I found myself watching this like I watched um, the Trial of the Chicago Seven with kind of like thinking like. Who am I like in this movie? What are the flaws and advantages of these viewpoints? Because there's like a lot of discussion about like how should we compromise with the South? Um, how can we should we compromise to end the war versus sticking to our principles? Um, what fights can we have right now? What are the fights we need? And versus what do we what do we give up to get those things? I thought that stuff was really fascinating. Yeah, the thing I came away from, like the summation of the story, um, Churchill's quote about never letting a good crisis go to waste was kind of ringing in my in my head after watching this movie. Because um, it does seem like a unique moment in history where they leverage the desire of the American populace to end this war into doing good for the nation overall. Um, and, and it makes you wonder, like, okay, how many crises have we either wasted um, opportunities to do good things for this country Mm. or potentially even had exploited by people who weren't as, uh, as good as a Lincoln, right? It didn't have ideas as good as Lincoln did who maybe have ideas that are evil or worse um, and use those, those crises for their own ends. So I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a lot to think about coming out of this movie for sure. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that, and I didn't, you know, we didn't think about this when we we're picking this movie. Ultimately, we just give our uh, patrons a list of movies that we could, you know, that we're we're comfortable with covering, and and y'all picked Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But doing this back to back with like gang or not back to back, but pretty much get back to back with gangs in New York. It's interesting to see Daniel Day Lewis play a Lincoln contemporary that was violently against him. Like you heard all the like you know Lincoln <laughs> yeah. the tyrant, Lincoln, Lincoln mm. the you know he's got the coal black heart, he's the the slave sympathizer, uh, and then you see him play Lincoln ten years later. I thought that was an interesting contrast, um, and to see a little bit of that heat in the not a little bit, a lot of that heat in the U.S. politics, where like you know when Lee Pace. What a, whatever fucking I'd, senator from Kentucky or whatever he was would get up there and talk about Lincoln, you know, being Lincoln Africanus and and what a tyrant he was and how he just runs roughshod over people's rights. And I, it made me realize that, like, I grew up in kind of, I guess, a golden I don't know if you call it a golden age, a golden age of civility in U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you just didn't talk that way. And the more I read about U.S. history, that is the aberration. The norm is two entrenched sides that fucking hate each other or are diametrically opposed to each other's existence. Not agreeing on common principles at all and what it means to be in America. And out of that conflict, you get shit done, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you work within the sort of game that they're playing there um, to make things happen. Yeah, that, that was wild to me coming out. I'm, I'm, it's another one of those movies where I look at it and I sort of go, okay, well, things aren't as bad as I think they are right now. Because it, it, it's a tendency of everyone alive to think when they see, look around and see all the bad things that are happening uh, in the world to go, boy, this has got to be the worst time that's ever existed, right? I'm just living through the worst of it. Um, and, and then I look at like, you know, how our houses of representatives behave. Um, and and I look at this movie and I go, you know, it's not, it's not too far off. Like we're just returning to a norm of sorts. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, it doesn't inspire a lot of like goodwill toward those people, but it also kind of does inspire a little bit of hope. Like, okay, yeah. well, if and, they got things done and, and things as big as this during that time, granted, there were a lot of sacrifices being made and hundreds of thousands of deaths, but if they got shit done, we could probably get shit done today. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is like, you can see the fact that a country has seen itself into these types of situations before and it can see itself out, um, you know, hopefully yeah. without like something like a, a fucking civil war. Right. Um, cause that's the other thing is I read tons of commentary where, um, I, I think a lot of historians believe that we probably would never have had a civil war, uh, had it not been, if, if the founders had found the way to settle the issue of slavery during the founding of the con- country, because like right. nothing else was anywhere near this big, nothing else divided the country in terms of economics and, and, uh, civ- civic mindedness principles, you know, this growing, um, and so I, I, and, and I don't know, man, it's, it's just. Like I, this movie, I just think is 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 super fascinating because the other thing is like um, prior to seeing this movie and seeing some modern research into like Abraham Lincoln, you think that Abraham Lincoln is this like giant impressive dude because he's always been played before with people with these very deep voices and he's measured. You know, you always just hear his speeches and um, the fact that like Abraham Lincoln, while he was in his youth physically imposing and tall, he was a professional wrestler. Abraham Lincoln okay. has an entry in the American Wrestling Hall of Fame because he used to like bust heads for his employers for sport. Hmm. Uh, and by by this time he was kind of like stooped and and bent and frail. Like these were sick people. Like him and his wife Mary were not like particularly mentally or physically well. Um, they weren't these paragons. He, he wasn't this big thing that sits on this marble, uh, uh, you know, throne that overlooks the you know Monument Park in Washington. Uh, I, I think that's like an interesting thing because like a lot of times we, we build up these, these people, these founding fathers to be these mythical legends that are, you know, like you, 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 you all the tall tales you hear about both honest Abe and like George Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you find out who the people are, it's like, you know, they're, they, they weren't extraordinary people. And the, the, the movie tackles that head on with that, um, soliloquy he has about our, do people choose to be born and are they born fitted for their times? Or do the times fit them, or do they do they uh, exert their will over the times? I thought stuff like that was really fascinating and instructive for now today. That like you know, I think a lot of people sit back and like, man, we need a guy like Abraham Lincoln. We need a person that has this kind of like respect or this kind of like passion, uh, clarity, drive. Or could lots of people be Lincolns? Uh, and they're just not stepping up because they're waiting to see a, link, a guy like Lincoln. When the, that I, I I thought that was um it was something I was thinking about when I watched the movie anyway. Yeah, uh, I do want to talk about Daniel Day Lewis in particular, but probably a lot of the actors because there are some truly excellent performances, and I think Daniel Day Lewis obviously is front and center in that. Um, as Lincoln, I've I've never seen him quite like this, and and that's true of all of his movies, right? You. Every time Daniel Day-Lewis steps onto the screen, he is a different character. He's a different person. Um, and and I felt like this was a total transformation. Like, I lost Daniel Day-Lewis in the character of Abraham Lincoln here. Um, 100%. And, and, and he's able to bring, you know, the, the seriousness and the warmth. Like, you don't see him do a lot of warm characters, right? You see him do a lot of angry, violent characters. Cerebral, um, cold, yeah. Yeah, and this is like a a little bit of a different 
uh, turn for Daniel Day-Lewis, and I really loved it. Um, he's also the only actor who Spielberg has ever gotten an Oscar for. Spielberg has gotten, you know, like one and been nominated many, many, Nothing many for times. Schindler's this is List only... actors? He like might have gotten Neeson nominations, but uh, hmm. I don't think uh, – I, I don't know. I Maybe I'm wrong, but I had my oh, notes. I don't know this, either. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. Yeah. And I wonder why that is. Um, I'm the sure other the thing Academy is like, loves D- Daniel Day-Lewis, for one. <laughs> it's true. But, um, like, that Seaborg's such a good director that, like, people assume or may people take away the, yeah. the, the work that people are doing in his movies because he's, you know, he's, 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 he's got such a knack at, at, at pulling out those human elements. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that, like, in early goings, this movie I thought was kind of slow and it's at its corniest where, you know, Lincoln is kind of, like, talking to these different soldiers and about the Gettysburg address and... Because, um, you know, we talked about one of the hallmarks of Lincoln is he's able to get so much information across in terms of characterization and information about the plot and stuff. Um, I felt like he really struggled to get that going in this film. And I don't know if it's because yeah. these were real people with real events and he was constrained by not be you know, where, like, you can construct a just-so story when you're literally constructing something. Mm-hmm. But I felt by the time the first 20 or 30 minutes had gone through that he started being able to do that he started to be able to tell two or three things by one reveal and it became especially crucial when you mentioned like you have to know as 30 seconds into a meeting with people that you've never heard of and you've never seen in history books where they stood on the subject of slavery mm-hmm. what was the motivating thing behind their politics how did it fit in with the rest of the country how what sway would they have over the decision? Like, yeah, what kind of power, what kind of soft influence? power did they have? What kind of influence they have in the party? And I felt like he did a really good job at characterizations, and especially when he cast the scoundrels. Like, James Spader, yes, yeah, James Spader, right? Yes. I was oh going God. to say David Spader, and that's... Uh, <laughs> no, it's David James Spader, Spader. James Spader. I don't think I've ever seen him have more fun... No. Then this no, he's rascal, this fucking <laughs> rascal who is his Lincoln's dirt, dirty deeds guy, uh, mm-hmm. offering not bribes but patronage and jobs and sh- just short of naked bribes to these these Southern Democrats to or border state Democrats to get them. Yeah, just needs twenty votes to pick off and and he can, uh, you know, enshrine anti-slavery into the Constitution. God, he was so much fun. I loved like when the guy tried to shoot him. Uh-huh. And and he he wards off the fire, and then he takes off running, and he realizes he's left. And he comes back, gets his briefcase, uh-huh. and realizes the guy's struggling to reload. So he kicks dirt and damns him and fucks him, and you know, just I, I thought that was such a great off. moment. Yeah, yeah. No, the James Spader is amazing in this movie, and I've never really like seen James Spader and gone, God, that was a great performance. He's always like. You know, he, he's always good, but never amazing. This, I thought he was amazing. And I was like, okay, maybe he's my favorite character in this movie. And then Tommy Lee Jones steps onto the screen. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, he, he's got the outhouse, hen house, dog house energy that he is bringing to this and leveling at, he's using it to insult uh, Congress people. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, I'm I'm totally here for that. I, I was loving every second of Tommy Lee Jones on screen. 
Yes, Thaddeus Stevens is so fucking portrayed in this movie is so fucking righteous. I read a bunch of I spent about yeah. 45 minutes just reading his life history and how he came to hmm. be like, you know, um, because I, I think as, as you know, you always want to think that you would be an abolitionist, right? If you're back, you know, sure. in those circumstances. But like the guys that fucking did it, you know, uh, had a not an interracial marriage. So I guess see, he that was his housekeeper that he had as a secret common law wife. Yeah. But again, it's 1865. This guy, right. like like his political journey of like starting off as I forget what he, you know, because like the, the parties were in a lot of upheaval at this point. But he was a Whig. He was a reformist. He was a know nothing, which was those that the Native uh, America First Party that Daniel Day-Lewis was a part of because they right. were very progressive in certain aspects of like labor and different things, obviously very regressive in others. Like the political journey that he went through to kind of like become the the forerunner of the radical ring of uh, the radical wing of this Republican uh, brand new Republican Party was really fascinating, and the convictions he had, his plans for Reconstruction, which they lay out briefly uh, about where he's like, you know, yeah, I just want to go and confiscate all the slave owners' lands. I want to, you know, free all of their slaves. I want to turn all that property over to the slaves. I want to give them, like, I, I, I remember just, like, when I was listening to this, this, uh, last night, I was thinking, like, my God, what if Reconstruction had gone along those, like, the most radical plans, uh, you know, yeah. what, what what would that have led to, like, some kind of, like, this eternal race riot they had in the South? Or would we have, like, a South with the African-American majority where the white uh, the whites are protected by, you know, laws that protect the individual? And they have a strong economic system and, like, their own legal and cultural traditions. And, like, what, what would that what would that look like rather than Reconstruction failing and... You know, Ku Klux Klan terrorizing the South and causing a great migration, and I, I, I don't know, but yeah, that's a lot of stuff I was thinking about. It's like radicals because, like, th- that's one of the interesting scenes where on the day that they pass the Thirteenth Amendment, you know, there's a there's a someone to the left of Tommy Lee Jones in terms of emancipation, and they come and essentially damn him, sir, for mm-hmm. this petty compromise that he made. Um, and it really made me think, it's like, you know, what point do you do take the shortcuts? Because they could have held out and got full enfranchisement for freed slaves. Shit, they could have gone and gotten, you know, uh, the, the vote for women. Uh, all in 1865. Uh, but could they? Could they? I mean, that's the question, right? The movie is actively asking that question the entire time. There are a lot of scenes with Abraham Lincoln saying... Essentially, like, what was it, the story that he tells? Um, Oh, about, like, the compass, right? The analogy he uses with the compass. Like, Tommy Lee Jones tries to tell him, like, hey, you got to follow the compass to the direction of righteousness, essentially. Right. It's always going to point consistently. if If it points you there, but you fall into a swamp or a chasm and you get stuck or die and you can't actually reach your destination, then what good did it do you? And I think that was, um, that was really telling about, both how they got to a situation where they could pass this 13th Amendment uh, and get that enshrined in the Constitution, but also it kind of foretells a failed Reconstruction too, right? Because I think Lincoln, you know, a a lot of people around him probably would have used the same principle to say, well, let's deal with, you know, the small steps we can take to make this work right now without yeah. looking at that bigger picture, feeling like, oh, we can't get it done simply because the political will's not there or whatever. 
you know, and that leads to a half-assed solution that ultimately fails. So I, it's I saw, like a double-edged sword, kind of. Yeah, and I and, and um, I alluded to the fact that like historians, you know, think that this is pretty historic vi- view of uh, Lincoln. But the ones that kind of dissented were like, well, it doesn't give a really overall picture because like I think that this you this is very West Wingian and that like it's very driven by compromise and the balance between you know radicalism yeah. and temperance and some of the history historians pointed out that like you needed a lot of radicalism to get to this point in history like it's not and not just on on one side either you had guys like John Brown they're running around killing people in Kansas for trying to promote slavery and trying to promote slavery to a, a, a free state you had uh the Dred Scott decision by a very conservative supreme court who just years before decided that because it, it, there's long like a lot of founding fathers like you know this is eventually going to come to a head because we wrote this document that says it's a self-evident truth that all men should be created equally and should be free and yet we got these three-fifths compromises. We're literally enslaving people. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a house divided. It can't stand, like Lincoln said. Um, and yeah. the Supreme Court in the Dred Scott decision, which I'd never really appreciated until just, just, just in the last 24 hours. It wasn't just a freed slave case. That decision basically said those words that we always thought were going to be a fatal pill in the heart of our country, they never applied to black people. That the word "citizen" used in the Constitution was that was never meant to to apply to African American, to slaves, to people like this. So it's like they settled the legal question in the other direction. Like it's completely mm-hmm. irrelevant to talk about whether these principles. Pl- so like you had radicalism on both sides, provoking, 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 until you had this breach and this rupture. And you almost had to have this breach or a rupture because it's not like the South are ever going to be like, you know what, we're just going to surrender all this property that we spent tons and tons and millions right. and millions of dollars accumulating as capital um it's just no, it's never going to happen you're going to have to make them give it up mm-hmm. uh and yeah it's it's so ironic there's a scene in here where tommy lee jones who is a radical and wants you know full yeah. voting rights for black people um right. and and just wants to enfranchise them totally um it, it, there's a scene where he is pressured into saying what he thinks the purpose of this amendment is and the the people on the on the i don't know lee pace is trying to get him to admit that basically he wants to enfranchise black people and and they're doing it to win the you know to scare the american public into thinking oh god they're coming for you know our rights or whatever whatever bullshit uh people like that believe um Mm -hmm. and, and he won't do it right he eventually like has to say i don't think that all black people should be enfranchised. I simply think the law should apply equally to both whites and blacks. Yeah. And when he's saying this, the music is swelling triumphantly, right? Everybody in, in on the Republican side is like cheering and they're all applauding this great thing that he's done for the 13th amendment for, for black people, for the end of slavery. But what he's saying there is still, really gross right like mm-hmm. it, it's so ironic it's so yeah. ironic i love it that you have these public and, and private positions um that people had to take just like you know we've seen well that no that the movie with... is telling you like they've just achieved a victory when what he's right. saying is reprehensible you know <laughs> it's it's it, yeah because like he it's uh, a half, he, do- he was able to dodge it by saying to turn it right. into like i have to even a, a, a person as low as you a subhuman piece of shit that's <laughs> arguing for keeping slavery going that i have to you know i i think the legal protections you know he he's but but like 
I don't know. It, it reminded me a lot of like how politicians have to dance around things like abortion and like even gay rights in my lifetime, where right. I had to see like the farce of the Clintons and the Obamas pretending like they're pri- they're, they're pri- I don't know about this gay marriage stuff. Like, and as soon as of course the Supreme Court affirms it, then they're cheering it because of course that's what they yeah. thought the, all along. Um, that, that, that so that's that's I, I keep coming back to this topic of what historians are trying to say. Um, that there was a point of view that was largely kind of like promoted in 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 history classes until like the seventies and eighties that like um uh the slaves were like in this enslaved state and it's kind of like a a, a status quo and without some outside agency like President Lincoln to free them that they would that would be that would be some some like stable state that would per you know that you had the, that the slaves needed to be freed. And, like, I think the modern view of this is that the slaves were always free, uh, and it took an enormous amount of political and actual violent action to keep them in that enslaved state. And once that state – because there's a lot – you see this in the movie. There's a lot of people like, oh, my God. Well, okay, I don't want these people to be free, but, Jesus, we need to think about this. These people can't read. They're they're uncultured. They're this, that, this. When the South collapsed and that – political and violent pressure was no longer enslaving them like they uh the the freed slaves flourished like they were already starting their own communities you talk about uh the black wall street the race riots that happened in the early 20th century that was precisely because in less than a generation and a half these people had created metropolises and thriving businesses and industries that threatened the white folk so this question of like what to do about the slaves was you know like like tommy lee jones said like what what's going to be the result these people are going to be free Mm-hmm. What happens after that? I don't know. They probably have a huge say in that, um, and that's one I think the the, the criticism of this movie is because it does center on the action of mostly white people, and you have these passive white uh, black folk. They're just kind of like witnesses. They're observing this history. Um, yeah. One of the original drafts of this movie um, centered the film on the friendship between Frederick Douglass, the the famous freed slave, self taught slave, uh, f- uh, leader of abolitionist movement, mm-hmm. and. I think that's what's really missing from this. The fact that um you know the 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 formerly the 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 both freed uh of uh, uh people that are born free, people that were enslaved and freed themselves, uh the struggle of that that kind of like went hand in hand with this other part of the abolitionist movement. The fact that like the slaves weren't freed, they fought and struggled for their own freedom alongside a lot of other people. And I felt like the big flaw of this movie is those first 10 minutes and that Steven Spielberg self-consciously trying to fix that. Like, ah oh, shit. Without Frederick, the friendship between Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, without going back and doing the whole like ten year scope of history that the book accounted for, like suddenly it's all about this shit going on in Washington, which necessarily was all about white dudes doing all the heavy course, lifting, right? Obviously. Yeah, the um, of power at the moment. So that yeah, that's the uh, only and, thing. And they they do a little bit of like trying to get a viewpoint in there from a black person. Like Gloria Rubin is in this, and she plays like the housekeeper of the Lincolns, right? Mm-hmm. Um there in the White House. And she has a couple of scenes where they give her a moment, but they're very few and far between. Uh, yeah. And they're mostly so, just yeah. appreciative, like God bless you for doing the stuff you're doing, kinda Yeah. Or uh, or telling like confirming to a child that yes, these horrible things you hear about are actually true. Yeah. With slavery. And also like I think that um the movie would have done well because, like, they also show Lincoln as this crusading uh, abolitionist, which he was. 
and certainly by this time in his life, he was, um, if not publicly for like the full enfranchisement rights, like privately um, for that. Uh, you know, he had to, had to have gone on a journey. He mentioned his father, who was an abolitionist of a kind, because there was a whole bunch of white people that like hated black folk as much as anybody, but thought it was bullshit that they lived in a free state and they had to compete with people who are getting labor for free. Just in terms of economics, this isn't fair. Right. You know, and, and they, they mentioned that in the movie. Um, that Lincoln probably had to do a lot of kind of like journeying from who he was as a boy raised in Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, uh, substance farmer to who he became as a statesman. Cause a lot of people like will use things that he did, like his rise in politics, things he said, you know, equivocations is like, well, Lincoln was a racist and by sure modern day standards, he undoubtedly would be. But I also think it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's almost like too cynical to be like, well, the only reason Lincoln freed the slaves was because it was an economic and wartime move against the South. Um, I think it's the opposite's true. Like, Lincoln did all he could legally. Like, he didn't have the legal power. The presidency was much weaker back then than it was now. Civil The Civil War is one of the things that strengthened it. He's like, I, I would like to do these things, but I don't have any legal means to do so. The war gave him those legal means. And that was one of the things that they, mm-hmm. they, they did a really good job in this movie is like, well, why wasn't the Emancipation Pro- Proclamation enough? Yeah. It only affected the success. There's a lot of still northern or borderline, those, those, those battleground states that did support slavery. And also that same Supreme Court that just decided three years ago that black people could never be citizens in this country mm-hmm. was still in place and was slavering. Uh, that's no pun intended was 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 salivating at the idea of ripping apart once uh lincoln was stripped of his war powers and it went like they, they, they're just going to like drive holes through because even lincoln said look at all the contradictions in his emancip are these people pre uh, people are they property are they war contraband of a warring nation well we deny the fact that the confederacy is a foreign nation so it, this thing that's yeah. like was, it was so um that's why he's fighting so hard to get all this done before the war ended because after the war ended, who knows what the fuck would happen? We might have slavery for another 30, 40 years. Yeah. No, it does. It does make me wonder like how, you know, the, the idea that like the crisis was the fulcrum for change here uh, with the civil war, you know, how, how long does it take? Cause <laughs> boy, you know, the Supreme court strikes that down and then you have precedent, right? Like there's, right. there's a lot of, yeah, I imagine it's not like, oh, 10 years later, it would have been the same outcome anyway. It's probably like we would be dealing with even bigger issues 100 years later. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like almost everyone agrees that uh, slavery of its type in North America was on its way out because of economic reasons, because of popular sentiment, because of like the fact that slavery is becoming an anathema in the rest of the West. It was like a big wedge issue that like England tried to distinguish itself from its colonies, you know, um, one of the reasons that it was shrewd that Lincoln did do the emancipation proclamation is because there was a lot of support for the Confederacy in Britain for just like, fuck you reasons, as you can oh, imagine. Sure. But the fact that they were explicitly fighting to maintain slavery and, and, and Lincoln was explicitly fighting to free the people in this, like made it like nuke, like radioactive. You couldn't be in, in the, the, the United Kingdom and publicly support the secessionists. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I just love the like, like, because also the thing that comes across from Lincoln and reading about him is he has this really like he's this hayseed with this high reedy tenor voice. Um, and I, I read so many um, 
uh, descriptions, contemporary descriptions of like people showing up to hear Lincoln speak. It was always like, who the fuck is this guy? I can't believe he sounds this guy that, that sounds this way. He sounds like some uneducated hick, like, you know, and then like five or 10 minutes into his speech, people like, oh, this is why he's got this magnetism because he's got not only this fine, legally analytical mind, which is shown in a lot of these um, uh, uh, cabinet scenes, but also he could go like this folksy and he could like he could he could cite uh fucking uh Leviticus smoothly go into a Shakespeare sonnet and then tell some folksy story about some American in an outhouse in Britain and just win people over <laughs> with like mastery of like the right. spiritual the the temporal uh and the legal matters he like had a grasp of all that stuff and I think this movie does a really good job of how he can shift those gears um and and use them to quite quite a powerful effect. Yeah. And then switch over to Euclid and analogize uh some of his theories about mathematics. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what's with the scene? Eh, maybe we should talk more about the actors. I, I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones is great. He does make a joke about his oh, oh, his horrible face. Uh says you should see me without my wig. I look even worse. Yep. Uh actually TLJ, I think you look better without the wig, frankly. <laughs> that bald head is nothing to be ashamed of, but that wig, holy shit, it's bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the hair, like, I, the, yeah, like, uh, the contemporary hair and facial fe- uh, hair of these people is de- a delight, I think. Yeah. What do you think about David Strathern as, uh, s- s- shit, what's his name? Seward? Um, yeah. The Secretary of State? I thought he's 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 really good in that role of a guy who uh, he definitely believed in the cause. He was one of those guys who was skeptical of Lincoln, but because some of his cab this cabinet of rivals uh, work for the most part, but there's one or two people who kind of tried to sabotage Lincoln. Uh, Seward was one of those ones that was one over to his side and yeah. tried to do everything in his power to accomplish the things that his president set out. But like him knowing how the politics work and what the lay of the land was and knowing how many votes they had versus how many votes they didn't and the fact that they didn't really have much in the way of persuasion to move these votes over. I don't know, man. It felt he, it is he's a secretary of state playing like uh what we would decide what would think modern day is like a chief of staff type of role or yeah, like a whip totally like a party mm-hmm. whip kind of role because the party was so fractured there wasn't like one person that could could command the 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 loyalty of everybody in power what did you think of him yeah um i thought he was good uh he was charming and at the same time i felt like there was at the beginning of this movie he almost felt like uh, an antagonist in, mm-hmm. in a way, you know, and that's, you know, by, by nature, right. He was like, you said one over somewhere along, uh, the thread here, but yeah, I, I thought he did a really good job. Um, he's not in the movie as much as I expected, um, uh, being, you know, essentially Lincoln's right hand man here. Uh, there are a few, th- th- he's in it mostly in the early going and then a couple of times in the middle, but boy, the cast in this is very large. Um, so I'm it's, saying it's definitely everybody does. Everyone does such a great job. I liked all of um, uh, they show like Lincoln's Secretary of Defense, uh, where there's this crucial battle that's going to finish war- the the Civil War, and Lincoln fires up one of his folksy stories, and he's like, "Ah, you're gonna you're gonna tell another one of your fucking stories. I'm I can't hear this. Yeah. I'm out of here to check railroad reports." 
which I uh-huh. guess that was kind of like uh, the fact that this guy was just a quip machine. That like Lincoln would just like he'd get a minute with no one talking and he would just fire one of these things up to improve morale or try to influence people or whatever. Um, yeah, you just got a lot of a lot of excellent people doing doing excellent work. Lee Pace being just a, a real asshole. Yeah, you know. Uh, I always think that's interesting to be uh, a white person in the modern era playing these unambiguous uh, villains. Um, I thought that was also something interesting, too, in my research, that there's a lot of no votes on the 13th Amendment. Um, and Ab- Abstentions, you mean? Abstention, no, and no, or people that voted no on it. Um, oh, and yeah, they yeah. changed the names of the politicians for fear of embarrassing or putting an unflattering light on their descendants. What do you think in, about that? In the that? movie they did? Yeah. Yeah, Spielberg changed all of... that's public record, all, right? It is. It 100% <laughs> so is. What, what good does that do? In my opinion, one of the many failures of the Reconstruction is we kind of overemphasized the feelings of the southern people who had been defeated and like sure. i i like I, I can only think that this is the same kind of business like well how hard like okay so like if so what is there going to be some kind of like mob that shows up at this the great grandson of lee pace and be like you sir or a fuck fuck fa-. like how hard is it like for those descendants to come back and just repudiate their ancestors right. or was there going to be some sad, shameful, you know, our heritage? Uh, my father fought for states' rights and against federal tyranny. Like, I, I don't know, but it didn't set well with me. Because, like, if my great-granddaddy mm-hmm. was a successionist, I would have no problem saying he's a son of a bitch. Yeah. My real great-granddaddy's kind of a son of a bitch. Uh, and he was a German immigrant <laughs> that came in after the war. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand sparing these these people's feelings. Do um, we do that in films about the Nazis? Like, no, that's. I don't think so. That's bizarre that, to me. To me, that's like I don't know. Like that's, um, and I know there was a lot of denazification deliberately that happened in Germany, uh, and there's stuff mm-hmm. like you know that there there was things that they uh, the way they treated the war record in the fifties and sixties, which is different in the seventies and eighties. Certainly different post unification. Certainly, like even now, there's like uh, up up until now, there's been this view of like, well, the war the war mocked the the average soldier wasn't necessarily a Nazi, and maybe they were just fight. And there's even more like a harsh like, nah, honestly, everybody take it's this was just a bad. There's 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 no no need to like glorify anyone's martial accomplishments in World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think America's ever grappled with that. And in fact, we've had the opposite. Um, yeah. The North kind of got bored and gave up at the Reconstruction. Andrew Johnson killed it. And then we turned and looked a blind eye as they just did this campaign of terror in the South. South. And as the North kind of became entrenched in the scientific racism that was supporting the, the, the sweeping the, the, the European continent, like... Mm-hmm. We never did that. We never and, and, and in the 20s you had the daughters of the Confederacy like raising up monuments and 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 uh, glorifying and, and sanitizing and whitewashing the record. We we haven't I, I think that's one of the big problems in the country is we never really fought the cultural part of the war to like 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 put the the, the boot on the throat and like mm-hmm. nah you can't do this. Uh yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what 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 America would look like if we had followed through and done those hard things because we didn't. 
Yeah. Yeah, who could say? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else of, like, serious note here that we should talk about. Oh, yeah, I want to talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Uh, so another character that I want to talk about, um, and the, the character is Robert Lincoln, Lincoln's son, um, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is, in my opinion, like the weakest part of the movie. is, And I don't think it's like poorly told or anything. I think it's like almost... It's unnecessary in its own context. I understand the larger context is the relationship between Mary Todd Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln. So you kind of need the son in there because the main point of contention here is about him going off to war to fight in a civil war that he feels morally compelled to fight in um, personally and that his parents are violently opposed to him fighting in. I feel like you could have cut that part and done more of the Frederick Douglass stuff that you were talking about earlier on, and this would be a stronger film altogether. But I don't know how you separate it from the relationship that Mary and Abe have. If if you take that out, it, it kind of ruins that element, right? Yeah, which I this, think that's... I think is kind of vital to the story. Oh, for sure. Like getting that's that's part of what humanizes Lincoln. The fact that he totally. uh, struggled, like he had the deaths of two children. He had like uh, what what uh, Todd Lincoln was saying here is like the only thing that matters is going to be whether you fought in this, whether mm-hmm. you served, or whether you know it's going to it's going to mean something. And I and I I can't ever be you, but goddamn, I want to be kind of my my own man and. I mean, I'm really sympathetic to that, like a big issue of the time and like wanting to take, you know, like a, the, the war. Um, I look at to, like J- John McCain, right? And how he was this this war hero. Um, yeah. Or, you know, it, I, I don't want to say too much about it, but like, you know, he was a prisoner of war and all that stuff. And he had a history yeah. of, of fighting for his country. And the, a certain amount of respect comes with that. Um, Certainly. Especially in those halls. And to if Robert Lincoln were to have a future in politics, he would forever be the guy who sat out the Civil War because his daddy was president, right? And I and he knew and that. he understands that, but 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 it's more than that too. I do think that he had like a feeling of moral obligation. It wasn't just the future of who he was going to be as a man, but like the future of or or not how he would look to other people on the outside, but how he would feel about himself not mm-hmm. fighting in this for a cause that he believed in. Um. It's just I don't know that it was time well spent in this film that's already two and a half hours long. Yeah, especially when you've already got other like kind of absent things that you might want to draw more attention to. But I got to say that the humanization of the Lincolns, because up to this, there's a certain point to where like there's a conventional historical wisdom that uh, Mary Lincoln was just a crazy person. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think she was, by her own son, committed later in life. And by all accounts, she did kind of turn Phantom of the Opera. Once Lincoln died, she had two sons dead. She saw, you know, what's going to – what's happening to his legacy. Uh, that would, I think, make a person crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, modern scholarship has shown that she did have a lot of moments of kind of shrewd po- – you know, she understood the political uh, side of things. And uh, Lincolns were more or less happily married – but they had the stress of two children dying, one during the Civil War, one that maybe is, you know, that like like Lincoln couldn't properly grieve for it because he's also trying to be the nation's, you know, daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are strains would put on any relationship. And, and I really like that scene where he is fighting with a son tooth and nail. It's like, you know, 
that's a fine speech you've given me, son, and it's happened a hundred thousand times across the country to fathers and sons, but I'm the only one that can say I am the commander-in-chief, and you absolutely will not fucking serve in a war. You do need my permission, actually. Mm-hmm. And his son giving him the kind of like, well, not just for... Everyone will think about... And, and it's not just that. It's I'll think that way, too. Yeah. And then him going and having that same fight, like fighting for his son's position with his wife and they get as nasty as you can think mm-hmm. like he threatens her at the madhouse she says well why don't you fucking do it and uh and he guilts her about like the grieving for their last son because he couldn't and she and he let her have the opportunity to do it. it's yeah it's vicious like if you take out that uh, the the Joseph Gordon Lovett stuff, you lose all that, and then you've got right. hit, you know a- a- Abraham Lincoln is just this great man who's good with the joke yeah. and can diffuse attention in the room, and you lose a lot of the pathos. And yeah, I don't know, they, they didn't go overboard with it. I feel like Robert Lincoln is in this enough to get the point across. Um, yes, maybe you cut like thirty seconds of it, a minute of it. I don't know, but it's not going to get you enough time to have a whole nother Frederick Douglass plot. Yeah. I mean, maybe this movie just need to be like three and a half hours long. Yeah. You know, maybe I would have like, watched it. Honestly. Yeah. It didn't the feel thing like is like, I, long. I didn't, it, once the movie got going again, I, I think the first 10 yeah. minutes is a little bit, um, a little bit like the corniest the movie ever gets. Once it gets into the political machinations and the back and forth and the wheels within the wheels and how, you know, Lincoln is kind of like not, Lincoln's trying to do everything he thinks he can get away with under the law, right? Mm-hmm. He's not above telling a half truth or a lie to, you know, to to preserve something more important. Um, and that's something I don't know how I feel about. Like, when is the right time to just start telling lies uh, or hoarding power for a righteous lies. cause? He doesn't they, tell they lies. Make a, they make a point of like he he answers in very specific ways um, that aren't technically lies. You know, like right. like he has this delegation that's coming from the Confederacy to mm-hmm. meet with them for for terms of surrender, essentially, to stop this war. And he has them hold off in Virginia so that they're not in Washington, D.C. So they're, they're not seen around. Right. He doesn't want this information. It's a rumor about them getting out um, because then he couldn't use the the 13th Amendment as a way to stop the war. And because people would think, oh, well, it's ending already anyway. So let's not vote for this thing. And so he has them sit in Virginia, and then the you know senators or, or not senators, the Congress people uh, on the Democrat side bring this up as like, hey, we have a path to peace here. We don't need this thing. Don't vote for it. And we have proof because the delegates are here. And then he writes a letter that says, as far as I'm aware, there are no delegates in the city, uh, which and is they're true, not, right? Because they were he held them the up intentionally right in Virginia. The river. Yeah, yeah. He put right. them on the slowest boat from the south to the north. <laughs> right. and... So he doesn't technically lie, and I really like that scene because also James Spader is great in that. He's sprinting across the yard to get over <laughs> yeah. to the White House from yeah. the the Capitol building. Yeah, it's it's great. It is a great scene, um, but it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, how how far do you go? How much do you push your advantage when you got something that's righteous? Do you, how much do you worry about what happens when the other side gets these powers? And you know, like I, I feel mm-hmm. like in the the Lincoln hypothesis is like, man, politics is power, and you should wield it to get as much as you can and damn the consequences. You know, 
Like, if they want to, you know, if they want to use this for nefarious reasons, then let them. Because he's got this, like, this confidence. Because um, there's this thing that's, like, where he first announces he's going to do the amendment. And that's the other thing that I learned this morning. This 13th Amendment, there hadn't been an amendment to the U.S. Constitution for, like, 70 years. Like, they had, hmm. like, one where they're, like, uh, resolving some, like, oh, because they used to be that whoever lost the president would be the vice president. And after three right. go-around, they're like, this is fucking stupid. This is this is not going to work. So let's fix that real quick. And I forget what the 12th, but it was, like, some kind of minor clerical thing. The idea of changing the Constitution was scary. And, you know, the fact that you're going to ram through this, you know, ram through this anti-slavery vote where the half of the country would be violently opposed as happens to be technically not part of the country anymore. Because there was that. It's like, well, okay, you've passed the amendment. Let us back in. We'll surrender. And then we can all downvote it. And Lincoln's not enough. Fuck you. Um, the, 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 the fact that Lincoln was accused of being this tyrant, this, even by his own board, he's like, this is exactly the kind of, and he gives this speech about, well, you know, what is the check on tyranny? I guess it's the people. And I just ran an election and won on union and liberty, mm-hmm. ending the war, keeping the country together, and freeing the slaves. And by God, if the people didn't want me to, they would have. So I, he's, I think that's like maybe a lesson you can take away is like try to do as much as you can and if the bad guys try to undo it then let them and if the people don't agree with it then they can suffer the consequences yeah Uh, i mean that is the game of politics you know the the game will be played by whatever rules can can be sussed out um yeah by either side you know they they will press their advantage as far as humanly possible at all times and you have to do the same it seems like there's there there's a little bit of paralysis nowadays where it's like they do worry. It's like, well, if we do this because for righteous reasons or whatever, because they're popular, then what will happen when we're on the wrong side of that in the future? And it's like, well, you know, ultimately in a democracy, it's always the people. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be as good or as shitty as, as we collectively are. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I uh, What else do we... What else do we want to talk about in this? I will say that this is not your typical Spielberg movie in terms of dynamicism and uh, cinematography. And, uh, you know, it's very realistic in its lighting. And, like, there's not any, like, really impressive camera moves. Um, very little action outside of uh, uh, initial battle scene that kind of sets the stakes mm-hmm. and... and uh, the, the, the tone of the movie. Um, it's kind of a, like an un-Spielbergian Spielberg film. I guess it's yeah. a lot like... Uh, I haven't seen Armistad. I don't know if it's similar. Like, does he have, like, when he's dealing with a serious subject? But, like, uh, Schindler's List, famously, black and white, limited slashes of color. Like, that's not Spielbergian necessarily either. I wonder if he intentionally has, like... <clears throat> I'm going to clear my... Th- he famously wore a suit. Uh, throughout the filming of this, did you did you see this? Get out of here! What's he doing? He wore no, a suit and tie, okay. uh, because Why? he didn't want to be like Spielberg with like the ball cap and the Converse and the and, and the 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 t shirt. He, I don't know. He just felt like so. I, that's what I'm saying. All I wonder right. when he I mean, does stuff like this and the post. <laughs> if he has like uh, you know the way Dan Carlin when he's doing his hardcore history, he he has a particular voice when he's reading official. Mm-hmm like historical documents. I wonder if Steven Spielberg has that for directorial things. Like, yeah, 
yeah, when I'm when I'm trying to appeal to the masses, I do these zany things, and I got Johnny uh, Williams doing this. And when I'm when I'm doing my serious Spielberg history history guy, I'm doing this other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he's wearing suits during the filming of this thing. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about Jared Harris too. Uh, he plays Ulysses S. Grant in this. I don't think his American accent is particularly good. Uh, he's struggling with it, and he's he's the most struggling in this movie of anyone that I saw. But it's passable, but not very good. Yeah, but on the other hand, I kind of think he's great. His Grant with kind of like um, very he's sly and intelligent, and the way he deals with mm-hmm. the delegate, the Southern delegation, and you know, refuses to kind of grant them the rhetorical ground of like, you're a, you're a hostile nation trying, you know, you you guys are, <laughs> you guys are just rebels and uh, I'm here to, yeah. to crush you. The I, resolve he conveys with not much screen time. And this is a pretty early Jared Harris. I'm sure he's done other stuff, but like in terms of American audiences, uh, this is just before he kind of came out in Mad Men. So that's the thing. I was looking at this cast and I'm going, okay, it's 2012. I mean, Steven Spielberg is just a kingmaker, right? Like you're in a Steven Spielberg movie and suddenly your career takes off. Like Adam Driver is don't Hoyt. <laughs> he's not the guy that is, is leading. Oh, he's like you know, fresh Star out Wars of Juilliard or whatever. Yeah. Right. Pre girls. Uh, exactly. Yeah. He's an unknown at this time. Uh, Jared Harris. I didn't know who, I mean, I guess like with Mad Men, that era would have been like on TV, but yeah. I'm not even sure he was in the show yet. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And his dad, uh, you know, like he was probably going to be famous in some, like being the son of Richard Harris, but uh, Lee Pace is another that I had not heard of in 2012. Yeah. Um, he'd done, I think pushing daisies. Right. Uh, but he was pretty pr- fresh faced himself. Yeah. Totally. So I feel like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, it's amazing the run he's had in Hollywood. I feel like he's been one of the most influential forces in Hollywood for the last, like, 50 years. It would be interesting to see. It's like, it's like, what, yeah, like, yeah, is that, that, I, I, that's another hypothesis I wouldn't mind investigating. Like, is that considered, like, a, is is that a, a theory of the legs? Is he a kingmaker? Or is it just he makes so many very popular things um and he likes to kind of like pull like these everman unknowns that it's kind of like he just drags people along or is he like got that keen of an eye for talent or does he get right, that kind right. of per- yeah and, and the same thing is like does he have like these two different directorial styles of uh-huh. like the pop culture versus the serious kind of documentarian um yeah there's one movie or one scene in this movie that rang a little false to me and a, a little meta is what it really is um it's that last scene before when you feel like oh here comes the theater scene right the the, the theater scene is imminent yeah. uh everybody knows it and that's the problem i have with this scene is everybody fucking knows it everybody in the room is like talking to lincoln as if this is the last time they'll see him his his servant i, I don't know who the fuck this guy is the guy from devs um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is like getting all teary-eyed handing him his gloves as he's walking out the door to go to a fucking theater for the night like he's just having a night out this is not a monumental occasion i don't think uh so i I was feeling like okay the movie has gotten a little too meta here with these characters reactions 
It's hard to say because like there's a lot of things. Again, I was I wrote things specifically to look up, and I I remember like did they really let that many black folk into the House of Representatives for this vote? And I guess yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people invited. Uh, Frederick Douglass's son was in attendance and wrote back to his father that like you know that like the people were dancing with joy and they were openly weeping and everyone was so happy and the jubilant the, the church the the church bells ringing. Um, I thought. Did the Lincoln boys really run ride goats through the White House? And I guess this is also well attested that like Lincoln tried being this very stern father and then he lost a boy and then another one. And he's like, you know what? Kids are going to be kids and I'm never going to like discipline my sons again. And kind of like <laughs> they could do whatever the fuck they want. Like the in the Oval Office, there would be like chaos and Lincoln would just be in the middle of it, completely oblivious to it. Um yeah. So, like, every time I tried to find this, like, well, what is, you know, what, where are the dramatizations? But, but I, I guess I didn't see that the guy, that, that guy was crying either. But, um, oh, yeah, he was. He was all teary eyed. I imagine it'd be, I can't even imagine, I can't, I can't even imagine how emotional you'd be. Because that guy was a freeman, right? He had never been, he made it a point yeah. of like, he'd never been a slave. But to be a black person in America during the emancipation, during the passing of the 13th Amendment, during all these things, I don't even know how you would feel. I don't know how you feel as a, a like like Tommy Lee Jones as a white man who'd fought for the majority of his political life to achieve this, achieving that. Like I'm like trying to think of like what what thing in American politics could happen right now that would have such a profound impact where people would be out in the streets and kind of rejoicing. And other than I don't Universal know the last care. That was <laughs> I, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Like what would I? Because that's something I'm thinking about right now. Is like oh my god, I've got about ten years. For American politics to change before my son gets kicked off of my health plan, and then I don't know what what could happen to him. Because you know, I oh sure he's a bright kid, think he's got a good future ahead. World's got a bullshit right now. Doesn't doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that he'll get ahead. Uh, is is America going to have their shit together in ten years, and we'll have some kind of universal health care? And like, what would that mean to people? Like, I yeah, the people that are out there that are like trying to get their epipens, that are trying to afford their insulin shots, that are trying to. Mm-hmm you know, deal with chronic, like it, that, that's, that's the thing I thought about. Like that might get people out in the streets weeping that, Oh my, like that, that, that mental burden an emotional burden of not worrying about dying poor in America will never happen again. Like the financial burden. Yeah. All encompassing. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that would probably do it. Yeah. I think that's the, I mean, something like, I also think it's like, you know, something that might seem there's a little bit of support building for this, but like, what if we had a four hour work or no, a four hour, a four day work week? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like something like that, like something that would like fundamentally change people's lives the way instituting weekends and overtime things did like, yeah. Yeah. But even then that's not, you were property and now you are a a free citizen. Yeah. And it's it's nowhere uh, near the same. But yeah, yeah, it's as yeah, close no. as we can get right now, probably. So it's like, yeah, the guy, the guy is just weeping at <laughs> President Lincoln going to a random play because he just doesn't, you right. know, he's all okay. Yeah, maybe he it's did. weird, but 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 you understand the context of everything, right? Even yeah, like uh, knowing anything about American history, you understand the context of this scene. So I guess it works poetically, but yeah, contextually, no. 
there's just so many good individual. Like uh, I talked about how Lincoln's Secretary of Defense stormed out because he's starting up a story, but then when the telegraph start coming in about the battle, like him and Lincoln hold hands because they're both like, you know, they they also did a really good job of showing how Lincoln suffered because of this war. You know, feeling all those deaths and like probably everyone in his cabinet. You know the. Like like Lincoln gave that speech. I think it was at his inauguration, his reinauguration address, where he talks about, um, you know, uh, the, now that war is joined, like whether we have to sink the vast fortune that people under bond have earned, have 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 built for 250 years of unpaid toil, whether we have to spill the remainder of the country's blood, whether, you know, like that that all kind of meant, you know something but they're on the other side of like well jesus what if this war goes on another year and another hundred thousand you know americans die and like going mm-hmm. through those battlefields how god-awful they were the 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 mountains of limbs that was a fucking scene yeah. too yeah, uh, mass limb grave yeah like lincoln's son thinking that he had seen like what the horror is and then lincoln uh slyly showing how it really is and his son being moved but also immovable and the like mm-hmm. i've Okay, you taking your best shot, old man. I still want to, I still want to add my limb to the pile. Um, yeah. It's, I also like just some of the the turns of phrase, like in the name of gentle Christ, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought some of the uh, them fellers ain't here yet when they like they're talking about the exact wording of of like Lincoln's statement about whether the delegation was in the Capitol. Um, the the insults from Tommy Lee Jones are world class. He calls someone a fatuous nincompoop at one point, which yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got like ten of them throughout this movie. Well, he threatens like uh, you know, like uh, when he says, "If I had my way, you would all be hung in gibbets as the traitors you are." Like he's threatening. Like if I had, <laughs> if if I could through my own personal power. Have you publicly executed and display your body as common criminals? I would. Like, I just, man, I, I, I you look at uh, even now when people decry the end of civility, open threats against people are mm-hmm. still seen as pretty extreme, and like they're not like the the open threats we've had in the last few years are nothing like what we see in this movie. Um, and, and like, there's that scene with uh, Walton Goggins where he's voting yes, and he's like. I vote yes. Shoot me dead. I vote yes. Like, yeah. he knows that there's potential threats on his life for this vote, and he still does it. Like, yeah, yeah. Talk about lack of civility when there are death threats on the table. <laughs> That's a whole nother level. When Lincoln says, buzzards guts, man. <laughs> <laughs> right before he uncorks some, the American president clothed in immense power. Right. I, I really love that as well. That's a great um, scene. Holy shit, that's a great scene. The scene of the whole Union army gathered around, like, getting the telegraphs of the votes and seeing whether the war is going to come to an ending. There's lots of, like, really... Oh, the scene late at night where Lincoln is considering pardoning a young boy that's that's wanting to be... that's going to be executed for um, desertion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, he's kind of wrestling, and then he kind of... he doesn't think about it for a while, and he pulls it out of his pocket, and he, he signs his... Uh, his pardon and he kind of does a little jig like the pleasure in the middle mm. of this shitty situation. Yeah, I, I can save this one. And I, in my research, I, I saw a real life, one of these where uh, Lincoln had scrawled, like there's this uh, execution warrant for the soldier. And at the bottom, I guess this guy had deserted 
And then six months later, been found fighting for another division of the Union. So he essentially deserted and re- he enlisted, deserted and re-enlisted. And that's how they found him. And mm-hmm. Lincoln scrawled this on the note. He's like, uh, I'd prefer him continue to fight rather than be shot and his date and signature pardoning him. Um, yeah. And he did. He made it a habit of like, you know, um, unless you were a real son of a bitch about deserting and had killed your fellow soldier or something, uh, Lincoln mm-hmm. would rather see you live than die. I don't know. There's just little moments like that to further uh, fleshed out his his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love one of the later scenes. Um, one of the few scenes with Tim Blake Nelson in this entire movie. Uh, he's playing one of those delegates who's come to offer terms. Um, the The way they shoot that scene, this is one of the, the small flourishes that I really like. The, a, casting Tim Blake Nelson as a confederate is just like i I mean it feels so fitting right he's got uh a look about him that is sinister in a lot of ways sure Um, sure and then the way they shoot that scene is like half of his face is just completely dark you can't Mm -hmm. see anything it almost makes it look like he only has one eye um Mm -hmm. and it makes him look even more monstrous right in these these moments and then he's got this thick southern accent you can almost not even tell what he's saying at times uh it was just, it's a really good scene. Are you talking about Jackie Earl Haley, the guy that played uh, uh, Rorschach in Fuck, Watchmen? yes, yes. Because the other guys, guy plays, I mix he, he those plays guys one of the time. J- uh, yeah. James Spader's lackeys, who's also great. He's a he's radical, the, right? A radical he, and who he plays the new Rorschach in The Watchmen. He's one of yes. the, he's the, one of the lobbyists. That is why guys. I got yeah, them yeah. mixed up. Okay, <laughs> yeah. They're both, they're both Rorschach. Uh yes. Because I was like, wait a second, I thought he was one of the good guys, but... No, you're totally right. Uh, but yeah, it's not Tim Blake Nelson. It's it's what's his name? Oh, he's really good. His name's uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Or Holly. Shit. Okay, he's I'll never the original Rorschach. Uh, but yeah, he did a great job of being that... Yeah, mm-hmm. the... Because the, the, I think this vice president was the one, like... Um, you know Robert E. Lee and whoever the president of the you could that they were a little bit more measured in their their racism and their support for slavery. But this guy, like <laughs> if you you know read some of his speeches, he was the one like he just he was all about it. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, he's great. He's got a great villain face. Yeah, totally. Well, that'll wrap. That'll about wrap up our commentary for Lincoln. Uh, we'll be back next week for one final prestige movie for a while. It's going on hiatus for a bit. We're going to be looking at uh, Brazil, the uh, Monty Python Flying Circus alum Terry Gillum, uh, Robert De Niro, I believe, joint. Um, I have. I feel like I've seen this before, but I also don't have any memories of seeing it. So hmm. I'm not. That usually means I've seen like a t- made-for-TV version of it, um, or I saw it at an age where, because like you know, some of the some of Terry Gilliam stuff is a little challenging. Uh, I didn't think much of it. I'm really interested in, in uh, checking it out again, or maybe for the first time. Uh, but as I said, we've got a return of prestige stuff coming. We're going to be looking at Better Call Saul's returning. Uh, David Simon, George Pelicanos, We Own This City, another Baltimore. Cro- a uh, crime drama starring John Bernthal in the McNulty role. Uh, not literally McNulty, of course. Uh, we, we got like a bunch of prestige stuff coming out, and we still got plenty of pulp. So we're not going to be looking for movies to cover. We got pulp and prestige covered by the television stuff. Um, if you are inclined to, if you've been watching us record these on Working Wednesdays, we're going to be doing some video game Let's Plays. 
uh, particularly part two of Life is Strange, which we've played through the the original and the, the prequel to that. So it should be a good time if you want to join us on Twitch.tv every Twitch.tv slash bald move every Wednesday at 1 p.m. We'll be doing that for the next five weeks before we probably get back to doing either Pulp or Prestige. I'm not sure which. So won't be any votes for the time being. Won't be any new Prestige movies, but plenty of Prestige flowing here on Bald Move Prestige. Uh, we look forward to covering that. I'm so glad. I'm so happy. I, I've, I've gotten I've gotten so over people saying, oh, hey, Jim and Aaron, they don't do the Prestige TV anymore. They're too good for <laughs> Prestige television. Nope, nope. We're getting back to it. Uh, thanks for everybody's patience during the long television pre- prestige drought. Uh, but we'll be back. Hope you enjoyed this view of uh, this review of Lincoln. Until we see you again, I'm Aaron, and I'm Jim. Later.